So turn with me in your Bibles, John's Gospel, and this time, chapter 15. Chapter 15 of John's Gospel, and we're going to be looking at the first eight verses. So I'll read that for us here. John 15 and verses 1 to 8. Jesus says this, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. But this, my Father, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Now, I used to have a book on the shelves here of um, people, famous people's dying words or something strange like that. And uh, it was a book full of all the dying words of um, famous people of history and all sorts of things. And sometimes that's quite interesting, isn't it? You, you learn them, you see them on trivia shows every now and then or something like that. Uh, maybe you can remember some of your favourite uh, sort of little quotes of people in their last moments, these really poignant words. Perhaps uh, you wonder sometimes what will mine be? What will my dying words be? And sometimes we sing about that, don't we, in some of our hymns, um, all, all sorts of things like that. Well, John 15 is a bit like dying words. It falls in the middle of a section of John's gospel that we call the farewell discourse or the last goodbye. Where It's Jesus' words now. He's speaking to his disciples and it's before he goes away. 13 times in the farewell discourse up until chapter 15, Jesus says something to the effect of, I'm going, I'm going. Where is he going? Where is he going? If we turn forwards a couple of pages, we see that he's going to the cross where he's going to die for sinners, for people like you and like me, so the people like you and like me can put our faith in him and be forgiven of all of our sins. But he's also going further. He's going back to his father. Like we read in our reading in John 17, he's going back to his father and his believers, the disciples, are going to be left behind in the world. It might be, uh, well, it certainly will be beneficial for you, actually, um, after the service. Perhaps you do it before you go to bed tonight or something. You can just read through the farewell discourse. Start at chapter 13 of John's Gospel and just read in one go till the end of chapter 17. And you'll see the emphasis there that the Lord Jesus puts on, I'm going away to be with my Father, and you will be left here with the Holy Spirit. And so, John 15 falls right in the middle of that. And this little passage here about this vine, it's Jesus telling his disciples the one thing 
the one thing that he wants them to remember. He's giving them his dying words, his last goodbye. This is his dying wish. The one thing he wants of them once he's gone away. And so that's what we'll be looking at this evening, God willing. And the first thing we find at the right at the beginning is an object lesson. I wonder, what do you make of chapter 14 and verse 31, where Jesus is still talking and he says, arise, let us go from here. What do you make of that? Perhaps they've left the upper room where they were having this discussion and they're on their way now to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus makes that great prayer in chapter 17. And so we wonder perhaps chapter 15 onwards is an object lesson. Maybe they have passed by a vine on their way to the garden and they see this vine, this grape vine, and Jesus points it out. He says, I am the true vine takes the opportunity to teach them this lesson. While you're there, you may want to do this. You can Google um, uh, grapevine and have a look at what they were looking at when Jesus was saying these words. You see this great vine and all of these branches coming off it and all of the fruit hanging on the end of those branches. So in the beginning of this object lesson, Jesus introduces three characters, three characters for us to notice. You see that right at the beginning there, even in verse one. Jesus says, I am the true vine. All right. So that's your first character. Jesus is the true vine. Then he says that the father is the vine dresser. That's the second character. And the third character is believers or it's you and me. It's the branches going into the vine that is Jesus Christ. We need to make a comment quickly on these three characters before we dive in a bit more deeply. What does it mean that Jesus is the true vine? What does that mean? Why doesn't Jesus say, I am the vine? Like before he says, I am the door or I am the good shepherd. Why doesn't he say that? Why does he say, I am the true vine? What does that mean? He makes a comment once or twice a bit like that uh, in John's gospel. He says, I am the true light or I am the true bread. What does it mean that he's the true one? What's that mean? Well, think now in your minds about a compass. And you'll have, uh, you'll have two needles that both say they point north. One is magnetic north and one is true north. I don't know exactly how that how that works, right? Somebody can tell me that. But I know one of them is true and the other one is derived from that. That The true one is the reference point from which all other norths derive. And you see, that's what Jesus is talking about. He says, all the other vines that you've ever seen point to me. I am the true vine. They all point to me. They all refer to me. I'm the original. I'm the archetype. I'm the first one. Now, in particular, he's drawing on imagery here of Israel, God's people, as a vine in the Old Testament. Um, but now is not the time to go into that. He says, I am the true vine. I'm the one to focus on here. The second character is the father, the vine dresser. And uh, we absolutely love that, don't we? That he is the vine dresser. He's the gardener. We love this. He is intimately involved with the vine and the branches. He's so concerned. The father is concerned about the relationship between us and the Lord Jesus. He really cares. It's personal. 
The Father cares about your relationship with the Saviour, the Lord Jesus. It's close. It's intimate. It's real time. It's a present reality. It's happening right now. He's involved looking at you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. And he's thinking, what do I do? Do I prune here? Do I snip there? Do I tie this bit there? He's so closely involved with it. He lavishes his attention on your relationship with your saviour, the Lord Jesus. I'm reminded of when um, I had the privilege of uh, meeting up with um, one of our brothers, Jay Lewington, in his garden. It was before lockdown, don't worry. And uh, he was showing me how he has one of these beautiful trees. I can't remember exactly what type it was, but it's all tied up in the right places. And he's making sure that it's cut in the right place and there's a cut here and not here, that it's pruned this way to get fruit to make it grow in the right places. It's so involved. And that's the father involved with you. He cares about your relationship with the Lord Jesus. I want you to think about that. If you come to do your pruning now as August is coming in, I, I think you prune some things in August, don't you? And uh, in autumn, rather, you're snipping all the right things, looking at the right way to do it. That's the Father. He really cares about your relationship with the Lord Jesus. And the third character is us. We are the branches in the vine that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so before we even dive in deeply, we are prepared to learn, aren't we, about the Lord Jesus, the true vine, about the Father, that vine dresser, who is so deeply concerned with our relationship with his Son, and about ourselves, the branches in the vine. So let's dive in then, let's see, let's see what's the emphasis here in chapter 15? What's, what's really being talked about here? The father cares, doesn't he? We can tell that much just by the fact that he's called the vine dresser or the gardener. But what is it that he specifically cares about? What is it that he's so concerned about? Have a look here at the chapter. Do you see any hints? What sort of things does John repeat when Jesus is talking? What does he keep on repeating to himself here? Do you see it? It's fruit. The Father really cares about our fruitfulness. Look at that, verse 2. It says, every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You have it there in verse 4, and verse 5, and so on. You have it in verse 8. You know, it's, it gets more and more fruitful as the passage goes on. Did you notice that? Fruit, 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 and then more fruit, and then much fruit. The father really cares about our fruitfulness in the Christian life. And so he tends to us like a gardener to cultivate that fruitfulness. Well, that's easy to say, isn't it? But what is fruit? What exactly is the Lord Jesus talking about? We can see in verse 8 that it's fruit which defines or distinguishes a disciple of the Lord Jesus. It's fruitful. But what is it? What is that fruit? This is where we go into our little toolbox of helping us understand the Bible. And we pull out the tool of context. We look around these verses to get clues, to try and understand it. So when we say, what is fruit? We might read on a little bit and we see in, in verses 9 to 17 that the Lord Jesus is constantly making reference to the good works and especially love. That's the fruit that he's talking about. 
that we should abound in good works and love for the sake of Jesus. And ultimately, isn't it Christ-likeness? Isn't that the, the most fruitful that we can be is to be made more like Christ? And that makes sense, doesn't it? If we are just branches in the vine, we are going to look like the vine. We're going to be drawing things from the vine. We're derived from him. And so we're to look like him. After all, we are Christians. We look like Christ. That's the idea. And so as a Christian grows in the Lord Jesus, bearing the fruit of good works and love, they look like Christ and the Father prunes them with experience and all sorts of things to get more fruit and good works and love out of them. It's also intimately involved, isn't it? Christians grow in Jesus. They become more like him. They are characterized by love and good works. And the father absolutely loves it. He loves to see it when we look like his son. And so he encourages us on the way. He ties us in the right places, points us in the right direction, prunes and cuts and ties and all sorts of things. That's the lens through which we are to read and understand all of our experiences, isn't it? Turn with me very quickly to one of the most famous verses in the Bible, Romans 8 and verse 28. Remember now the, the, the interest here of the father that we should bear fruit and look like his son. It governs everything that he does with us. Romans 8 and verses 28. It says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Isn't that wonderful? He cares that we are fruitful. He cares that we look like Jesus. And so everything works together for that good, that we should be conformed to the image of his son. That's all the involvement that the father has as the vine dresser coming in on these branches. That's you and me making sure that we look like his son. Okay, so if the father cares so much about our fruitfulness, let's look in verses 1 to 8 of John 15, in which verse does the Lord Jesus tell us to bear fruit? Where do we see that command? Let's have a look. Can you find it? It's not there. There is no such command. Of all the things, you would expect there to be a command to bear fruit. Since the Lord Jesus cares about it, the Father cares about it, and we ought to care about it, you'd expect to find here a command to bear fruit, but we don't. There is only one command in this passage. Did you see it as we were reading? What's that command? He says, abide in me. Remain in me. That is your care. That's what you're to worry about. Yes, the Father cares about fruit, and so do we, to be like Christ. But he is so deeply concerned that we abide in his Son, that we remain in him. This is the one thing that Jesus wants of us, that we abide in him. Look there, it's in verse 2. It's three times in verse four, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse five, verse seven and so forth. 
abide in me. That's what we are told to do. The only thing we are told to do when it comes to the Savior, the Lord Jesus, and our relationship to him. All right, so that begs the next question, doesn't it? What's abiding? Well, there's lots of ways of looking at it, but we'll look at it um, in two ways this evening. We'll look at abiding in a passive way and abiding in the active way. And we'll look at abiding a bit like that. So first of all, we have a passive abiding. What is abiding? It's it's passive like, like your toothbrush in your cup that you have in your bathroom. The toothbrush just lies there. It just sits in the cup, lying against the edge, needing to be held up. That's what abiding in the Lord Jesus is like for the Christian. It's a humble and yet total surrendered dependence upon him, just like the babies that we were talking about this morning. Abiding is needing Jesus Christ for everything, relying upon him totally, like we just lean upon him and there's nothing else that we can do. It's knowing that our life comes from him and our homes come from him. Everything that we have in our homes comes from him, including our families, our wives, our husbands, our children, our grandchildren. It all comes from him, knowing that our job comes from him, relying on him to put the clothes on our back and the air in our lungs, relying on him for literally everything. Just lying there and knowing that he is the one who supplies all of these things. To show you how total this is, let me read to you some words from Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 and verses 16 and 17. For by him, that's the Lord Jesus, by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. Is there anything for which we don't need him? Go back to that vine for a moment and just look at that branch sticking in that vine and ask yourself the question, how is that branch alive? Just hangs there in the vine. Every instant of life in that branch comes from the vine and from nowhere else. And so it is with the Lord Jesus. We abide in him by seeking no strength anywhere else, but just from him. The apostles got it, didn't they, in 2 Corinthians 3? They say we have no sufficiency in ourselves. All of our sufficiency is from our God. You know, I saw um, on the internet this week a funny little thing made me laugh. It says um, a bed is a wireless charger for humans. Sort of true, isn't it? You just lie there every night and you get strength. How do I abide in Christ? I just lie there. I just need him. I just throw myself upon him and rely upon him. I refuse all others and love only him. That's the passive abiding of Christians in the Lord Jesus. But there is an active sense to our abiding in him too. We actively abide on him, a little bit like um, 
uh, you'll have to forgive this, a little bit like a grumpy teenager in bed in the morning. So I think of my own uh, years when I, that I spent like that, where there is a deliberate effort expended in remaining there. And you just will not move. Deliberate effort put into that. And abiding in Christ is like that. It's the determined drawing of all of our strength and resources from him to produce the fruit that he would have us to produce in our lives. Everything comes from him. And so we put effort into remaining in him, to staying in him, to drawing everything that we need from him. Everything that we ever produce, it comes from him. There's a lovely verse that captures this quite well in 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles in chapter 29. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there if you wish. 1 Chronicles, chapter 29. We're getting there. There we are. 1 Chronicles 29 and from verse 14. But who am I and who are my people? that we should be able to offer so willingly as this. All things come from you, and of your own we have given you. And then we have it in John 3 as well, don't we? A man has nothing unless it is first given to him from above. And so when we think about abiding in the Lord Jesus, we think about mining him, mining him as our only source. From him we draw the word of God. John 15, verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. We draw the word of God from him. We draw from him the Holy Spirit. You see that in chapter 16 and verse 7, still in the farewell discourse. He says, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But when I depart, I will send him to you. We draw the word of God from him. We draw the Holy Spirit from him. And it's by that that we bear fruit by no other means, but by Jesus Christ and by his spirit that we bear fruit. That's what we're looking at um, as and when I lead us on Wednesdays, isn't it? There is no other source for any good in our own lives. Can't bear fruit in ourselves, can we? Our church can't feed us unless it's feeding us Christ. Our pastor can't bring fruit out of us unless he's giving us Christ. Books that we read about making your life more fruitful and so forth, it's no good unless it gives you Christ. He is the only source. Holidays can't recharge us to bear fruit for the Lord Jesus. Only he can do that. Communion, gifts of the Holy Spirit, whatever you like, nothing can do it. Only Jesus Christ and his spirit can give us the fruit that we need in our lives. And so that's why we abide in him, passively just lying there on him, relying on him. And actively drawing all of the goodness out of him, like a branch, pulling that out of the vine. And ultimately, that's what it's all about. That's why the Lord Jesus gives us this particular object lesson. Abiding in Jesus is like a branch in a vine. Just hanging there. Just needing him. Just drawing from him all of the strength the source of all of our life, the source of all of our fruit comes from him and him alone. And so we see in John 15, all of the attention is constantly drawn away from fruit and to the vine, away from us and to the Lord Jesus. 
So what does that look like then in the life of the Christian? How will I recognise it in myself? When we abide in him, we are in him, drawing everything that we need from him. And he is in us, producing his fruit in our lives. There is a co-union. We live within one another. You have that in verses seven and eight there. Do you see that? He says, uh, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. They live within one another. If I if abide in me and I in you in verse four as well. How do we illustrate this? Well, many of you, I understand, will be sat there now with your cups of tea or whatever it is. And after the service, you'll need to wash that cup up. So you'll go into the kitchen. And I want you to think of this when you do. Go to that washing up bowl. You put the cup on the water and you push it underneath the water. And as you do so, the water will run over the edge of the cup and into the cup, won't it? Now, is the water in the cup or is the cup in the water? That's the sort of co-union that we ought to have with the Lord Jesus. And when that happens, the Bible says that we will be fruitful. It's inevitable. And so Jesus doesn't say, bear fruit, bear fruit, make sure you bear lots of fruit and do it well. He says, cast yourself in humble dependence upon me. Draw all of your strength from me and you will bear fruit. Isn't that liberating? Doesn't that just take a weight off your back? When we read there, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Are you anxious? Are you anxious to serve the Lord Jesus with all of your heart? Are you a little bit restless because you just so desperately want to bear fruit for him in your life? I know many of us are. And that's something we were talking about, uh, some of the young people in the Bible study last night as well. The anxiety that we might feel about discerning our gifts so we can serve the Lord Jesus. And you know what? That is wonderful. And it is so encouraging to witness, to see. And I encourage you in that. But the Lord Jesus says, we needn't be anxious to bear fruit at all. Rather, we need to be anxious to Abide in him. You know, trying to grow as a Christian without Christ is like a branch trying to grow without the vine. Perhaps, I don't know, perhaps if Jesus gave this illustration today, he would say, I am the true plug socket. And you are the cables. Abide in me and the lights will come on. It's as simple as that. You know, we need to walk with him. We need to love him. We need to make him our heart's desire. We need to have our eyes fixed upon him. And all of this fruit, the good works, the love, the joy, the peace and so forth, it will all just flow from us because we are abiding in him, our saviour. You have that again, don't you, where Jesus says again in the Gospel of John, actually, isn't it? He says, uh, I give the living water. And then he says, he who leaves in me, out of him will flow rivers of living water. He says, doesn't he? He says, I am the light of the world. And then he says, if you believe in me, if you follow me, you are the light of the world. 
It's so inevitable when we abide in him that we shall be fruitful. And that's where the anxiety is to be placed, to be decisively, determinedly abiding in him. But there's a little risk that we run when we do this. Because of our fallen nature, because we are, because we're so uh, this way inclined, when we do abide in the Lord Jesus, it's and it's inevitable that we will bear fruit. We can get a bit carried away and proud of it, can't we? We say, "Look at my fruit! Look at look at these grapes! Look at this love! Look at these good works!" And so the Lord Jesus offers us some wonderful balance here in verse five. Verse five. Look at that. It's worth writing that down on on the wall so we never forget it. It says, when we abide in him, we will be fruitful. But we must never forget that without him, we can do nothing at all. Nothing. And so the Lord Jesus leaves room here for a lot of fruit and a lot of humility, since everything comes from him. I want you to think now about all all of our brothers and sisters in Heath who have produced copious amounts of fruit uh, during these lockdowns and these strange days that we're in. You know, every fruit, every good thing that's been done can be traced straight back to Jesus and not to an individual. We might think of um, might think of Tom and Tim doing the live stream and keeping all these things going so we can get the word of God. We might think of Sarah Lloyd and all the songs that she put together, Helen and uh, all the groups of people that are working hard to make sure everyone's getting what they need and not going without. We think of our pastor bringing us the word of God Sunday by Sunday. Many of you will be thinking about your spouses putting up with the kids when there's lockdowns over half term. We think of all of these good works, every grandson that taught their grandmother how to use Zoom so that she could get the word of God. We think of all the people that are calling around. We think of people like Matt and Beth doing the Sunday school. It's all good works. But where does it come from? Only from Jesus Christ. Only done for his sake, by his power, because we're abiding in him. And without him, there'd be none of it. And that's true of every good work that has ever been done. Now, before we close, we need to take a quick look at these unfruitful branches that the Lord Jesus draws our attention to there in verse 6 and in other places. We'll just spend a couple of minutes looking at that because it's very important. I want you to ask you the question, what is it that makes an unfruitful branch unfruitful? What is the characteristic feature of an unfruitful branch? It's not that it happens to bear no fruit, but rather that it doesn't abide in the vine. Matthew Henry talks about this sort of branch and he says, this is a branch that is connected to Christ by a mere string of outward confession, but there's nothing real about it. These branches look like branches, but any fruit that they may happen to have is fake. Let's say that you got in a time machine, you went back to first century Palestine, you saw the disciples and you saw the Pharisees. How would you tell them apart? They're both doing good. They're both giving money to the poor, both pray, both following Jesus around. Why go back in time? Why not today? How would you tell the difference between Christians 
and nominal people who don't really believe. Both give money to charity, both go to church and read their Bible and pray. The difference is not fruit, once again. It's abiding. It's needing and relying on Jesus Christ. You see, they look the same. They can do the same works, but without abiding, it's fake, useless, rubbish. They will be cut off and burned. And so the Lord Jesus, his challenge to us is not bear fruit. Make sure your lives are very fruitful. His challenge is need me, abide in me, rest in me, rely on me. Well, that is how we have life. That is how we bear fruit to his glory. As human beings in this world, if we are without the Lord Jesus, we are dead branches without a vine. We are destined to be collected up at the end of time and thrown into an everlasting fire because we are not connected to Jesus Christ. But if we are abiding in him, what's happened is that the Lord Jesus has grafted himself to us. He's put us in him and he's given us his life by which we bear fruit for his glory. That's what's happened to Christians, plucked out of this world as branches without a vine, branches from the burning, and he's put, a, put us in himself. We bear his life within us, his Holy Spirit, bearing that fruit within us. And so this is what we must do. This is what we must do. Forsake the inevitable death that comes from not having him. Get inside him. Get to Jesus Christ. Abide in him. Plug into him. And never leave him. Forsake the fake fruit, but which we try our best to bear by our own efforts. Get rid of all that rubbish. Get inside Jesus Christ. Abide in him and you will bear much fruit and we will prove to be his disciples indeed. I'm going to read again uh, from Colossians and then we'll pray and then we'll sing together to close. These are the... Uh, these words come from Colossians in chapter 1 and from verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. Amen. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we bless and thank you for the care that you lavish upon us when it comes to our relationship with your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we are so frequently anxious because of the great debt that we owe you to bear fruit in our lives that pleases you, that uh, makes you smile that makes you so happy to see. 
And yet, Lord, we pray that you should realign our priorities, that rather than be fretful about the fruit that is in our lives, you should cause us to give due care and attention to the nearness with which we walk to the uh, walk with the Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord, that we should be found by you to be abiding in him. To that end, Father, we ask that you should give us your Holy Spirit, that you should prune us, that you should give us all needful experiences, and that all things should work together for that good, that we should abide in him, that we should be conformed to his image. We bless you, Heavenly Father, for how kind and generous and gracious you've been to us, that when we were dead branches in this world, destined for eternal death, you grafted us into the kingdom of the Son of your love. Please, Father, we pray, reform our desires and our priorities and our, uh, our everything that we wish for in this life, that we should be anxious to be abiding in Jesus Christ. Teach us what it is to rest in him, to draw everything that we need from him, in whose name we pray. Amen.